Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have our wonderful guest, Brian Kramer, join us. This guy is the key of all things human to human. He's just been around in this marketing space. This is where we met years ago. Forbes refers to him as the Zen master of marketing. So I'm sure we'll hear more of that as we go along. But for those of you out there in the evolving digital self space, he totally gets the human side of technology. So I think this is going to be a really fun conversation. Welcome, Brian. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. So nice to have you here. We've had some very funny experiences. Talk about technology disruptions in our trying to get launched. You know, it's everything from leaf blowers to planes flying overhead. So happy to finally make this podcast work and and, uh, get going on it. We call those human moments. Human moments. Well, yeah, they're human moments, but unfortunately our technology tracks them and it causes other disruptions. So, you know, maybe they give us pause and a moment to actually just appreciate our presence and where we are at. So to start off, I would love to hear a little bit about how your relationship with technology has evolved and how that's impacted your work and life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I have a love for technology. Um, I'm, I, technology and I coexist very well together, which is kind of funny because I'm also known as the human to human guy. And so using technology has become more of a, a be, I've, I've kind of treated myself like a Petri dish. Um, I've really enjoyed looking at how you can use technology to bring people uh, closer together faster and, and not the opposite. You know, a lot of times we look at automation, we look at technology, we think, well, how can I scale more to get farther away from people, but close more deals, get more money and make, make business happen faster. And that's not ever going to be the case. Um, you know, it, it won't be, relationships will always be uh, the thing that ties us together and ties businesses together, ties our personal lives together. At the end of the day, connection is the very reason for why we, we as humans, why we share. And so if connection is that important, then technology plays a human role in connecting us together, whether it's social media or technology in general. So I actually use um, technology a lot. I like overuse it. Like I, I try as many tools as I can. I'm kind of a technology whore, if you will, um, where I actually try to get out there and see if I can't figure out a way to make it more human. And sometimes I can't. Like with chatbots, I think it's impossible to make a chatbot human. Um, and so, you know, how can we then use chatbots, which is, in my opinion, mis- misnamed. It's not really a, a bot because there really isn't any anything that's happening on its own. It's not artificially intelligent yet. So anyway, it's, that's why uh, that we can go into a whole different podcast for that one. But anyway, I, I think I think uh, you know what, just using the example of a chatbot and um, and how how people are trying to humanize it and failing is exactly what the reason is that I'm trying to prove what can be human and what can't be, what brings us together, how does it work, and what can't work, um, what what are we going to fail at miserably, and and just don't don't do that anymore. Have you always been sort of a, a you know a, a technology lover, or was there ever a period where 
for you transitioning into it, there was anything from, you know, sort of anxiety or caution or anything that's ever sort of triggered you to maybe go, maybe oh, this no, doesn't I've work. always, I mean, my, my parents will tell you when I took apart their brand new uh, Mac SE or Mac Plus, um, when, when they first bought it, like, like within the first 30 days, I took the whole thing apart because I wanted to see how, how what was inside. I ended up finally putting it back together. It wasn't the fastest pro- uh, process, which scared everybody, including myself. But I've always wanted to take things apart and put them back together to see how they work. You're a tinkerer. Um, and so, yeah, totally. Uh, I worked in, in the Apple store and in, as an Apple tech in college and um, as an IT person. And even though my background and my degree and everything's in marketing, I'm, I also have a uh, self-proclaimed, I guess, IT and programming de- <laughs> degree as well because it's part of what I think you have to know in order to um, exist and survive and today's world, especially as our kids are coming up and the languages that they're learning and, and how HTML is becoming not only a second language, but maybe even a first language. I think it's really important. How do you, I mean, being so uh, so comfortable with technology, do you ever find that that is a challenge when you're dealing with clients or with peers that don't have that same level of comfort with technology in terms of whether it's communication or just helping them sort of ease them into a space where you're able to deliver whatever it is you're delivering, your products or services, without triggering more anxiety in them? No, probably the other way around. I think um, because I'm a marketer first, and I think like a, a marketer, um, like how can I use this to help in marketing, not, not the other way around. You know, I'm not an engineer. I'm not thinking like a programmer. I'm thinking like, how can we use this in what we do? So my skill set really focuses in on on the simplicity of things. Like, how can we simplify that? Mm-hmm. Um, how can we explain it so that it's understandable and digestible? Um, so, con- uh, and content right now is 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 overflowing. And so, how you know the stuff that really breaks through is the stuff that's super simplified, making the complex simplified. It's always been that way, but it's now starting to become a little bit more more important. So, Breaking um, through the noise. So I, yeah. I think that it's more, um, I actually sometimes hold, hold back from explaining it to, to people because then I have to help them actually do it. So, so sometimes you don't want to, I, there's only so much of you to go around. So you don't, you, you want to make sure that you're also leveraging education and much as you can. And so that's why I like to put myself into places where I can help lots of people at the same time in some of the online courses and, and online education versus like, some of the um, more more consultative one-to-one things. Yeah, and I think that that's a really powerful tool for consultants now is the ability to provide online programs that can give the foundational pieces so you can focus when you're dealing with clients on the more very specific skill sets and needs of those clients beyond that, that foundational piece. It's really sort of the, where things are moving, where we don't have to spend all that time sort of reinventing the wheel every time getting people yeah. the foundation it's, piece. It's, it's going to be required, um, you know, the, going back to the technology conversation, as artificial intelligence and machine learning starts and VR and AR and um, bots and so on and so forth, as they all start to uh, become more relevant and they can start to streamline a lot faster, they start to understand context better because we're programming them better for context, then there's going to be tasks that will be removed from from us that, that were previously required. Like, you know, how many times does it take somebody to go back and forth to organize a, a scheduled meeting? On average, it's seven times 
and even clicking a button and then going in and then scheduling your hour and then having the person maybe not be able to do it and then it reply back and then you you go back and forth and back and forth and before you know it you finally are actually on uh, a meeting talking to them for you know 30 minutes and so all the time that went went on and you think about that one thing that happened that one one use case is a great example for many use cases many things that we're putting so much time into that could be automated mm-hmm. but at the same time if we start to take away all of these things that we've been doing whether it's these little minutia things that uh, that affects our productivity or uh, or the things that we're actually doing that we're making money on so you know if your skill set is doing something in uh, around um, a, a certain skill that 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 potentially an artificial intelligence could do then that takes away you know your ability to to do that, and and so we're going to be almost required, and especially the next generation, to iterate their learning mm-hmm. um, because it's going to be so rapid that by the time you learn something, it's going it, to there's going to be a new way of doing it at the end of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think online learning is is probably the fastest way to continue to build your skill sets. Not to say that universities and community colleges and whatever aren't going to help our uh, our kids progress fast in, in this world, but that's not where it ends. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and not for us for sure, but, but uh, even more so as we go, it's going to speed up more and more and more. And you're going to ha- you're going to have to learn in between doing your job. Yeah, no, I think there's, there's so much to be said for that. And I think even, you know, it's, it's reminding me of like when I was doing my dissertation, you know, I didn't sit in a library. I found because I was doing a topic that was very current all of the information was online. There was nothing that was already printed in books. And mm. so, you know, for the students of today that are trying to understand the world as to where it's going in the future and where they fit in the future and where they're going to be relevant, they need to be able to get the latest and most, you know, relevant content. The The only way to keep those courses or those books updated is to, you know, to use technology rather than waiting mm. for the whole you know, using a publishing house and the printing process. And that, I mean, you know, it can take a year to get a book out and by then it may not be relevant anymore. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's speeding up. It's going faster and faster and, and it's up to us to uh, continue to learn how, what the, what the new way is of publishing a book and how to get it out even faster. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great example. Books are, um, uh, have, have already changed as well. So Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and even like with the audio books, I know my, my son, I have a, you know, 16 year old son and he, uh, he was asking me the other day, he downloaded a couple of books on audio, on audible. And he was like, can I listen to these faster? I don't have enough time. It says that it's going to take this amount of time. I was like, oh yeah, you can turn up the speed. And he's like, oh, I can totally do this. And you know, he was able to consume that same amount of information in a much faster period of time. So if you don't have the time to sit down and, you know, flip through a book or whatever, you can consume it in other ways thanks to technology and take it with you. I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I have friends that um, that download audio from Audible, and but they speed the, the speed of the audio up to listen to it at like, I don't know, I don't remember the rate. I know it's not two times the rate, but it's, it's, it's like uh, maybe a third faster and um, and that way they can get through the book faster in order to get uh, get to the next book. So I did a yeah, lot of my research at two and a half speed, which was oh, you know when you're half? doing research okay. on mindfulness, it's kind of a funny thing to you know to listen to <laughs> John Kabat-Zinn at two and a half speed. 
you know, my friends were constantly making fun of me. They're like, are you seriously, you know, where it'd be oh, like, that's, okay, that's now breathe, now pause, nothing. Now what did you come up with? <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. That's not the way it's supposed to be consumed. <laughs> but that's hilarious. You know, I was able to get it in and then later go back to it and experience it the way it was meant. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Hey, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. I got my dissertation done in three and a half years and wouldn't have been able to do that had I gone the traditional route of doing all my research in a library, in books, and actually the data wasn't even there. So, Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm, it's a relief to have that way behind me now and, and fun to be coming back into practice and, uh, and sharing uh, what I learned from that. So. I would love to hear about you. You've got another book. So I, when we met, you had just launched Human to Human, and you now have another book called Shareology Out. What's the evolution there and where you've moved within that? Actually, HDH was, my, was the book I was working on. Sorry, Shareology was the book I was working on first, and HDH was a surprise baby. Oh. I, um, I was working on, um, on the, the concept of Shareology. It wasn't me in that at the time, but sharing and social media was, was just brand, almost brand new. And so I was, I was working on, on a book that probably would have, you know, been well received, but not as well received given what actually happened. Um, and I couldn't have planned it any better if I had, if I did this on purpose, which I didn't. Um, I, I actually stood on, on stage at brand innovators event, which is ironic mm -hmm. because it's where I actually met you. Yep. And I was giving a talk. Uh, our our friend Ted Rubin was was uh, running the um, MC, and I one of the screens that came up said, "There's no B two B or B two C. It's human to human, HH, which which we've been talking about for years. But we but I had been working on my personal brand and on social media and all this good stuff. And being on stage at Bloomberg obviously gave it that much of a a bigger trumpet horn or a bigger uh, bullhorn to be able to shout it from the rooftops, which then turned into a picture of me up on stage with that slide from the audience that then got tweeted out and, um, and it went viral. It, I just, to this day, am totally thankful for the timing of all that and what actually happened because it, it grew into over 80 million impressions in 48 hours and got over, I think about 1500 at least bloggers blogging about it whether it was positive or negative, um, I got both. And then it was translated in over 15 languages. Um, and still today, I keep receiving people translating it in other languages on Instagram and Twitter. Congratulations. And so it's made a, a huge impact in, in, in many lives, including myself, to the point where I then set Shareology aside uh, for a year. I just uh, set, it, set it on the back table and, and, and took H to H took everything that I'd written for the previous two years on my blog about the, uh, the human movement and in what's, what was coming at the time when I wrote it two and a half years ago. But ironically, I think it's more prevalent today than it's ever been. I thought for sure that the shelf life of the concept would only last for <laughs> six months, but it's actually going stronger now and I'm selling more books now than I was then, nice. uh, which is just mind boggling. So it was a really great run. I turned around and, and, and launched the book. We wrote it really quickly because we had all the content already written. So anyone who's listening, if you're wondering what to do with all those blogs that you're writing, turn it into a book and use your content to write a, a book, self-publish it. That's exactly what I did with HGH. Um, it is a self-published book um, and, it, and it ended up becoming a bestseller because of the fact that I was able to launch it at the right time in the right place. But I was able to turn around and actually 
launch it, which a self-published book can do, a published book, you, you wait six to, six to 12 months, and then you may, uh, it may take you another six to 12 months to get it actually out in the bookstores. Yeah. So and you're huge... at the mercy of the publisher as to when it goes. Totally. Yeah. So total difference there. I would never have been able to adopt the concept, publish it and get it out if it weren't for the, the fact that we were able to now publish our own books. And then I came back a year later and I started to work on Shareology again. So almost a year and a half to two years later, I did publish that with a publisher, which was the original intent. Um, but now that I published that second book, it had much more street cred and it was much more read and it actually outsold H to H. Um, and I don't think it would have done that had it not been for H to H. So, um, so it a, it's, it's total, uh, misfit meets, uh, meets marketer meets author <laughs> kind of timeline of the, how the whole thing happened. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, that, that just shows sort of the beauty of with, you know, with the story of shareology and, and the, you know, the power of sharing with the, you know, augmented by our capabilities with technology, be able to self publish something that this is the moment and it just spread virally. And then all of a sudden you have this incredible audience for that piece, which builds a foundation for, you to come back in and talk about shareology. I think it's a, it's a beautiful story because it, it really shows, you know, how you can use technology to not only just support what you're doing, but really enhance it if it's done right and you have the systems yeah. in place. There's a fluidity to marketing now where you can, you can react and respond in a proactive way. If, if you have the right tools and the right messaging built from the get-go, um, if you don't, if you don't have the right messaging and you really haven't done the hard work on your brand, um, then, then it really does come out as, as much more reactive in a, in a more negative way. You know, we always go back to the Oreo cookie, you know, at, at the, uh, NFL Super Bowl and some of the other things that have happened over the years and where these teams of people have reacted in a great way and it's, it's gone viral. Look at the ice bucket, right? The ice bucket challenge. Uh, all of these things are are, are viral uh, natures of things that went off because um, it had the right ingredients and mm -hmm. um, and the people that were taking part followed a very simple formula and it was very human. So mm -hmm. if you if you put those three things together, you almost stand a better chance at going viral. I know a lot of people all they want is just I want to go viral. How do I go viral? What it was going to take. And obviously that's a, you know, there's no silver bullet for that, but there's, there's ingredients that if you follow just the main ingredients of those, those tenants that I just said, um, then, then you stand a higher chance of doing that and it can really make a big difference. Now, and, and that's, you know, that's great sage advice for people that are really trying to get their stuff out there and, and really think about how you can have impact that spreads whether it's you're trying to do social impact or whether you're just trying to get your story out so that people know what you're doing. And for entrepreneurs, that can be a really big challenge, but it's also a great opportunity because we have the tools available to us to make that happen. Do you have any favorite tools that you use in technology, either for, uh, for your business or for life in general, for, you know, managing your own personal wellness or? I have, I have so many tools that, um, <laughs> how about some favorites? Like a <laughs> What's that? How about some favorites? Some favorites. Give me a category. Okay. Productivity is an easy okay. one. All right. For that one, I use Asana um, and Evernote. Um, and they both are, are integrated or tied together. Evernote's where I, is my digital brain repository. 
of things that I don't know where to put them. So I put it in Evernote and then it's a searchable database basically of my, my misfit brain that I can just real, if I forget where I put something, it's probably in Evernote. Um, and I, and I, I, I keep it really simple. I only have an inbox and a, an archive. Um, I don't have lots of notebooks. I only have those two. And my inbox is where all my brain dumps go. And then I, uh, about once or twice a week, I just, um, I, I tag every, everything I have about 15 to 20 tags. And I just tag it based upon the kind of things that I want to remember it by. And then I move it to the archive. And so the, I, I treat it kind of like an inbox with email. I only have for my email, I only have an inbox and an archive mm-hmm. and everything, everything either gets a reply or a, um, or, or, a, um, or there's no action. So, but either way, my whole goal is to move everything from inbox to archive in everything that I do. Um, and so then I use Asana where um, Evernote's tied into Asana. My email is tied into Asana. Everything culminates to a task there. Um, and that task then ties into uh, a campaign or just a uh, pick up the clothes at the laundry, whatever it is. And so everything, um, everything really that I, I need to do that I need to plan out ends up into Asana for the action that I have to take. Sounds good. And what about sort of, it's sort of integrated, uh, but time management. Do you use that for the same or do you ha- use any tools for time management? I used to keep timesheets and then I realized that timesheets was limiting my time management um, because I spent more time doing timesheets than I did actually being productive. So mm-hmm. I stopped doing that. And to answer your question, no, I don't. I, I fill out a journal every day. I have it sitting in my backpack right now because I took it with me, but it's the five-minute journal. And it's the three things I want to accomplish every day. I fill it out every morning um, with, at, with my intention. And at the end of the day, I fill out whether I accomplish those three things or not. Um, and, and that's basically what I do. I just I try to get three things done a day that, that are three good tasks. Maybe I'll accomplish minor stuff in between, but uh, three three really good tasks that I want to accomplish that day. And, and it could be personal, business, whatever. Okay. But that's it. I, I don't I don't really look at my time management. Um, I, I time block. I'll, well, I'll time, time block. Block. I mean, that's a big thing is time block. And do you use a tool for managing your time blocks or are you just, just your watch? No, just my calendar. I use Amy, which is an artificial intelligent, I think it's x.ai. Um, and she helps me to time block. Um, so I just send her a, a message and she'll time block time for me to, to do anything. When I uh, work out, I try to work out four times a week. So she'll time block that for me. If I met, if I need to, uh, get a meeting together with somebody, she'll, she'll manage that whole process for me. Um, so I, I just time block using a, a single email to Amy. It's kind of weird to call her Amy because she's really like this technology Thing. Yeah, well, I mean, is it any different than Siri or Alexa? Or oh, I got to be careful yeah. about saying that at my desk, or it's going to trigger one of them. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and what about you know? I know you've got uh, a son. Is that right? You, you definitely have a kid, if not more. Um, I have two. So you have two. So family management or family communications. What are your favorite tools or games or things that you use technology wise? So I have. I mean, uh, quite frankly, I have a Wi-Fi at the house. And when that, when the Wi-Fi uh, gets turned off, um, that's, con- that's big enough control for my kids. So, um, so that's how I manage that. You must have young children. Uh, well, 19 and 13. Wow. And, and they're, they don't actually just go, Hey, I can get 3g on my phone. I don't care if the Wi-Fi is off. 
Yeah, the 19-year-old is at college, so there's that one's out. But um, the 13-year-old is highly dependent upon Wi-Fi for his gaming and PC. So um, so I still have a chance with that one. <laughs> good um, for you. Yeah, for you. so uh, that, he, he, they're, they're both good. Their, their whole goal, their thing is that they can't do it. Well, his now. So he has to do his homework before he does anything else. So um, he knows that. He, does, he gets that done. And, and that's the only rule we really care about is that he gets his homework done first. We try to sit down for dinner and do a no technology rule. That happens maybe about three to four days out of seven with schedules and everything like that. But uh, we try to do that. And then otherwise, there's really no rules. I mean, my, my wife and I worked together now for 17 years. And when we first started um, dating, even when we talked about the fact that we we're going to work together and what was this going to be like and what kind of rules should we make and how are we going to, you know, make sure that we stay together and don't argue over like, you know, who's, who's doing what for the business and at home. And we just decided that we wouldn't make any rules because if we had too many rules, it would start to actually create more arguments. So well, we so, really don't have many. It's but I think that's point. a great point that you're making that in the, a modern relationship, it's no longer just talking about, you know, how many kids are we going to have and where do you want to live? It's, you know, how are we going to, you know, what is the deny, the dynamic we're going to set up in our home? I'm going to take a quick commercial break because I hear a leaf blower coming in. Big surprise there. There's something about that with us. I don't know. We seem to attract them, Brian. I'm just going to take a quick pause here so we can say thank you to our sponsor and we'll be right back. This episode is being brought to you by Zero to Launch in 14 Days the premier podcast training course for anyone wanting to get their message out to the world in a bigger way. Podcasting is growing by leaps and bounds, and for a good reason. It's the one medium left to the individual, the independent, and the soloist. You don't need a big team, or any team at all for that matter, and you can jump right in there next to NPR, Tony Robbins, and every other well-known name to be included in the mix. This easy-to-podcast course was created by my mentor, Michael Neely. And the fact that you're listening to me right now is proof he knows what he's doing. Go to www.michaelneely.com or click on the link in my show notes to sign up for a podcast launch breakthrough session so you can learn how to get your own show up and running with minimal investment and maximal ease. In this personal breakthrough session with Michael, He'll answer your questions and give you direction on proven techniques for creating, growing, and monetizing a successful podcast. Don't wait any longer. Sign up for your free call today and see how the Zero to Launch in 14 Days program can help you get your message heard. In the interest of, I know you you have a time crunch, so I just want to make sure that we get in there a little bit so that people can know where to find you because your stuff is so great and I want people to know where they can, you know, find you to work with you or learn more about your stuff. And so how do they do that? Yeah, sure. Um, it's very easy to find me. Uh, I'm, I'm Brian Kramer everywhere. Um, although you want to spell Brian with a Y and Kramer with a K. But BrianKramer.com, at Brian Kramer on all social media. You can find, you can tweet me, you can message me anywhere. Um, I, I answer everything within, within a couple hours to 24 hours, usually fast, faster. Um, if you want to email me, Brian at BrianKramer.com. And if you want to sign up for my newsletter, 
it's at briankramer.com in the top right corner. You just fill out your name and, and you'll be submitted to the, the newsletter there. And I actually, uh, I, I, I develop a, a really personal newsletter every single week. Um, that I write out and that newsletter, um, I encourage people to reply and then I start a conversation with them and usually takes me a good full day to two days to actually do a round of conversations with everyone that replies on my, um, I have a 30,000 emails, but I think about, a um, not that many, about one, one to 2% of that actually uh, replies and we have some really great conversations. So That's a lot. I would, I would really recommend uh, signing up for that and then hitting reply and letting me know you know, what your thoughts are on each thing. And then that's where the true human connection and, and good, uh, good networking starts. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, what a, what a gift to be able to give people that reply. I hope you're able to continue doing that even as, a, as you scale up because uh, your work is so needed. It's just, it's really great stuff, stuff. And so I highly recommend all of you listening to go check out Brian's uh, homepage and all of the great content that's there and share it. In, in all of the different places that you can, but there's just a lot to be learned from what's going on in the human side of technology and the human side of the way that we work. It's, it's pretty powerful stuff. And so you mentioned something about, uh, Facebook groups. Do you have a group? Yeah, we have a Facebook group. In fact, if you, if you, you can use the URL human marketing hub, hub.com, and it'll take you right to the uh, Facebook group. And it's really, really active. Cool. It's kind of like a stock ticker. Um, people are, uh, there's almost 3,000 people in there. And um, we have, uh, I think, five, five, six moderators um, and two admins. And there's, there is a, an activity that takes place uh, once a day, every single uh, day. And it's just an, an incredible, people are engaging and, and they're human. And it's just, it's awesome. So if you're looking for, uh, it's, it's, so, it's really around, um, business entrepreneurs and marketers, uh, people that want to grow their business. Um, it's not all around how to be human. It's also around, we talk about things like funnels and, um, and building, um, you know, things like video and, um, YouTube channels. And, and then we talk about strategy and, and all kinds of things, money, um, budgets, just about everything that you can think of in marketing. So it's a really cool, um, cool, cool, uh, really cool group. Yeah, really that love, sounds really like love. a great group for for our listeners. So, can you just say the name of that one again so people capture it? And we'll make sure that uh-huh, it's yeah. also in the show notes. It's Human Marketing Hub H U B dot com. Okay, cool. Well, we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes so folks can find it. Don't try to write it down if you're driving a car right now. You can just find it on the the Two Balance You or the Evolving Digital Self dot com web page where all of the different uh, shows and show notes will be listed. So if you don't find it on iTunes, you need to go over to the homepage to find the more detailed links and whatnot. So before we log off, do you have any special words of wisdom for our listeners? Yeah. I, I um, First of all, foremost, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. And um, to anybody who's listening um, in, in 2018, um, if you're looking to, uh, to to grow your business and plan um, plan anything out, we have we have a lot of resources actually at h2hclub.com, um, and they're, they're all free. So um, it, there's planning documents and uh, marketing templates and marketing just you name it, we have it there, and it's it's um, it's available. So if you're looking for anything that you need, uh, just ping me and let me know. I can probably point you to something that we have and. Um, and it's usually at h2hclub.com. 
That's great. Well, that's a very generous offer, and so I, I highly recommend that, that our listeners go check that out. If you're growing your business and you need some planning tools going into 2018, it sounds like that's a great resource for you to go check out. I'm going to wrap up before the leaf blower gets at us again. He seems to be getting closer. <laughs> it's funny how that happens for us. Anyway, um, thank you so much for joining us today, Brian, and I look forward to running into you wherever it is next, whether it's brand innovators, who knows. We'll see you sometime soon. But in the meantime, I want to thank you listeners for joining us today and look forward to catching you next week, Tuesday launching for the Evolving Digital Self podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.